0: amen. What an incredible Sunday. Great, great Sunday. Well, our mission here at LifePoint is pointing people to life in Jesus. Life abundantly, the abundant life, real and better life than we could ever imagine, because that's what Jesus said. He, we built that mission on Jesus's words when he said, I came that you might have abundant life. And so you and I are going to begin to experience life to the fullest in Jesus. And we think here at LifePoint in four purposeful ways. And one of those ways is that if you want to experience the abundant life in Jesus, that you will be intentional about introducing others to Jesus, that you'll point them to Jesus. And not only that, but you experience abundant life in Jesus if you are purposeful and intentionally trying to grow in your relationship with God. And then the other way in which you and I can experience this abundant life in Jesus is when we will connect in meaningful relationships with other believers as we try to practice what what in the New Testament are all the one another's of the Bible. And then finally, you want to experience abundant life in Jesus? Part of our purposes here is that you'll serve others. And if you will intentionally, purposefully take these steps in your life, man, you'll begin to start experiencing all that God has for you. And as we stated last week, God's wanting to do a great work in you, and God is wanting and is working in your life, and he's changing our lives. And as you seek that life in God, and as God changes your life, you and I, our lives, our story can be a testimony to the power of God. Well, this week, we want to continue our story by looking back at what Jesus said in John 10.10. Remember, he said, I've come to give you life to the fullest. But what does the first part of that verse say? Why did Jesus want and even need to bring us life? Because the first part of that verse, Jesus said, uh, there's a thief. And this thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy. Now, who is this thief who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy? Well, the Bible tells us about them. The Bible tells us that before the foundations of the world that God had created angelic beings. They included angels that you've heard of before, the archangels Gabriel and Michael. And there was another created being called Lucifer. And Lucifer was kind of like a, a, like a worship angel. He was beautiful, and the Bible says, and full of glory and wisdom. But the problem was this. Lucifer became jealous of God. And and God was the one who was getting all the glory. But all of a sudden, the Bible tells us that Lucifer, he decided he wanted the glory. And so because of pride, he fell. And because of pride, he he pitted himself against God. And, And the reason that was such a big deal and why this almost battle started happening was because God said, I will not give my glory to anybody else. And here this created being by God decided he wanted God's glory. He wanted all the attention. So the Bible tells us that God cast him down from heaven. And whatever took place in that time before the foundations of our earth and whatever happened in all of that, Lucifer was somehow able to get a third of the created angels to join him. And as a result, the Bible tells us there has been a spiritual battle going on every single moment ever since then ephesians chapter 6 describes it this way it says this to you and i it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but it's against the rulers against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms this passage is referring to lucifer as the bible also refers to him as as the devil or satan or the dragon and it's his fallen angels along with him who are pitted against God. In other words, you and I need to know the devil is real. He is real. And, and that reminds me of a story. It's a story I heard once about a, a man who was going to a, a costume party for work one night. And, and, and he had decided to dress up as like this totally lifelike, totally scary, you know, dressed in a devil costume. Okay, and he was super dressed. up. I mean, it was eerie, like freaky, real Well, on the way to the party, it started to just dump rain. And so he decided to take shelter in the nearest building, which turned out to be a church that was actually hosting a revival. And at this revival, the pastor's up preaching and he's talking about the spiritual battle that's going on against God and, this, and the devil and, and he's being really graphic and really, really descriptive. And as soon as this guy dressed up as the devil walks in through the back door because the service was almost over and the pastor's at the crescendo of the message and the guy walks in, everybody turns around and sees him and literally begins to scream and scatter. The devil, the devil! The devil! one elderly lady got caught in the pew and she fell down and stumbled in the midst of all this confusion. And so that man is the de- who's dressed as a devil, he decides to walk up to her and, and help her out to make sure she was okay. So he reaches down and offers his hand to help her and he's looking at her And then the lady looks up at her in in pure horror and says, Hey, Satan, I've been a member of this church for 50 years, but I want you to know, I've always been on your side. (laughs) But seriously. There's a spiritual battle going on every single day between the forces of good and the forces of evil. Our God is a God of light. Lucifer is the God, and I will clarify, little God, as in, remember, he was created by God, the God of darkness. Our God is a God of truth. The devil is the father of lies. Jesus says in John ten ten, I came that you may have life and more life and life abundantly, but the devil wants to steal and kill and destroy our life. So you know what this means? It means that your struggle and your battle that you have going on in your life, it's not against flesh and blood. You know what that means? It means your battle and your struggle is not against the in-laws. It means your battle is not against that boss or that employee that you can't stand that drives you nuts. It means your battle, your enemy, is not your spouse or your kid's. Or your friends, our battle is not against them, but against the rulers and authorities in the unseen spiritual world. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So this series, this message, and then this series is designed to help arm you and to help equip you for when the devil comes and wants to do battle against us. And here's what I can actually... You know, I am pretty much guarantee this. This enemy will try to keep you from hearing these messages. He'll try to keep you from hearing them. In fact, what you watch next week, something will come up that will distract you, even this morning, that will try to distract you and even keep you from showing up because this evil one will do everything possible to keep you from hearing God's word to keep you from hearing God's word and then practicing and living out God's word. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. He said, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. If you want to read more about this, there's a, there's a, a book, a short little book by Dr. Warren Wiersbe. And it's called The Strategy of Satan, which is actually the inspiration behind these messages. And, and actually, what I did is I listened to the audiobook. And for those of you who are like, I don't want to read, and, and it's not long, it's it's three hours and 15 minutes on the audiobook, or in my case, because I like to listen at speed and a half, you know, it's only a couple hours. And by the way, you just, just might want to know, Wearsby is one of the great writers and and, and 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 teachers of the Bible. If you're a brand new believer, Man, what he has to say is easy enough to understand. If you're a long-time believer, been studying the Bible for decades, he's deep enough to push you. Today what I want to do is I want us to see what the Bible says about this devil, this Lucifer, this Satan, this evil one, and see that this Satan is the deceiver who attacks our minds with lies. He's a deceiver who attacks our minds with lies. This is what Jesus said about him. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he said, The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a what? He is a liar and the father of lies. He always lies. In other words, when his lips are moving, he's what? Lying. This was his first strategy, attacking Eve in the Garden of Eden with lies. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. You can turn the Bible or, or go on your the YouVersion Bible app, either one. It's the first book of, in the Old Testament, so super easy to find. And uh, give you a little context for those who may not know, in the beginning the Bible tells us that God created Adam and Eve. They were the first man and woman. And the Bible tells us that, that they're in this garden where God placed them, that there's a serpent. And we learn that the serpent was, was in this situation, the physical form or a physical form taken by Lucifer or the devil. And the serpent comes up and, it dece- and he deceives Eve's mind with lies. How did he do it? He did it first by attacking the word of God or by attacking the authority of the word of God. I want you to think about this for a moment. There are a lot of ways that the serpent could have tried to take Eve away from God. I mean, he absolutely could have tried an attack and go after her and prey on her insecurity. You know, kind of start speaking lie. Hey, you know what? Adam doesn't really love you anyways. Adam's so sick of hearing about your feelings all the time. (laughs) I mean, he wants to go in his man cave. I mean, like literally his man cave. He liked it better when it's just him and the animals. And oh, he, by the way, he wants his rib back. <laughs> There's so many different ways. The serpent could have cr- tried to get, to, to get Eve to have questions in her mind or doubts in her mind. But what did the devil do? He attacked God's word. How? Well, first of all, he questioned God's word. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. He questions God's word. The serpent said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? Notice the deceiver doesn't deny that God had spoken. Instead, he questioned what God said. And he does the same thing to you and I today. He'll try to get you and I to question He'll try to plant seeds of doubt in our life. Do you really believe the Bible is, you know, from God? That it's a book from God? I mean, surely you're smarter than that. I mean, you're not naive enough. Are you really naive enough to think that a creator just spoke and everything happened? I mean, surely you're intellectual enough to know that everything went, you know, boom, and the explosion happened and that caused everything to work together. Hey. I, I know you believe that God spoke in the Bible but did he really mean that passage to be for you? I mean that that was written hundreds thousands of years ago. It was it was for them. Don't you know that's true but It's not relevant for you today. I mean, this is 2018, and come on, we've evolved past some of that archaic thinking. God didn't really mean that for you. See, he questions God's word, and he gets you and I to question God's word. And evidently, Eve started to question God's word. Why? Because of what God said to Eve, and then what Eve said to to the serpent. And let's see this together. So first of all, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, God tells Eve and, and Adam, he says, hey, listen, I put you in this garden, and you can eat freely from all the fruit on all the trees. You can eat from any of them, but that one. You can eat from all of them. It's all yours. You are free to eat. Eat freely, freely from all of them. Just not that one right there. I love you. There's incredible freedom in your life that like you can't possibly be, believe, but you just can't eat that one. You can eat freely from all the rest. But then Eve gets into this dialogue with the devil, and she leaves out a key word in her conversation with him. Look, see if we can notice Genesis chapter 3, verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Based on everything I just said, what word did she leave out? Anybody know? Anybody know the word? Anybody catch it? What did I say over and over? Freely. Freely. She left out the word free. Implying perhaps that God was holding back on her. That there's, that there's really more. That, that, that one thing that God said no to Adam and Eve. That one tree we can't eat from. Man, that must be the one tree. The one thing that I actually really want. That's going to really, truly bring me joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. What's God doing? You see what's happening here? The moment Eve started to question, you know, God and question the goodness of God, it was easier for her to then disobey the will of God. I don't want you to miss it. When you and I start to question God's goodness, it's easier for us to disobey the will of God. When the devil questioned God's word in front of her, she started to wonder, is God really good? Is God really looking out for me? That he doesn't want me to have that? What, why is that? The deceiver questioned God's word, which led Eve to question God's word and God's goodness. The second thing the deceiver did was he twisted God's word. He twisted God's word. He, he said, we can eat from any of the trees except that one tree over there because if we eat from that one tree, we're going to die. Look what the serpent said in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. He said, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. Remember, why was Lucifer or Satan cast down from heaven? Pride, right? He wanted the glory. He wanted to be like God. But what's interesting here is he twisted God's word with Eve. You'll be just like God. You'll be just like, and he just tried to twist it and twist it. Thing is, Eve was already created in the image of God. She was already a reflection of the heart of God, and yet the serpent just twists, twists, twists. Did God really say you could be like him? See, that's what the evil one does even today in our lives. Over and over and over again, he twists God's word. Oh, God is love. Yeah, that's true, absolutely. Then he twists it. Since God is love, he'll understand. Do whatever it is that you want. Besides, the scriptures say, thou shalt not judge, Right? Nobody can judge you for doing that. It's your life. You can do what you want. Besides, what does Scripture say? God is loving and God is forgiving. God wants to bless you. And God wants you happy. And he just twists and twists. And so you need to be okay with doing that because that will help make you happy or safe or satisfied. I mean, you're a a person who's a Christian, right? And so you're a good person, And God wants to bless you and God wants to reward your goodness. And so he just convinces us and he twists God's word and gets us to smoke it, pop it, watch it, buy it, use it. God wants you to have it. You deserve it. He's attacking the authority of God in our life. He's attacking the authority of God's word in our life. Listen, I hope you are understanding this morning. The battle is real. We are in a battle, and the attacks are coming. We are being attacked. Listen, I got to tell you, if somebody comes into my house and comes after my family and tries to attack me and my family, what do you think I'm going to do? What are you going to do? Let me tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to go sit in the corner of my bedroom and think, oh, I hope this person doesn't come in and take my kids. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, I hope Heather will step up and do something about it. (laughs) Which, by the way, she could. (laughs) No, no, I don't do that. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to be transformed into that moment, into some combination. Here's like if you're over 40, 50, 60, you'll remember this one. If you're younger, you don't even know what it is. Uh, I'll be transformed into some Rambo Slash Jackie Chan, slash Jason Bourne, slash SEAL Team 6 member, right? I'm heading straight to the safe. I'm grabbing my guns. I'm racking the chambers. You want a piece of me, you got it. In other words, you come after me and my family. I'll do whatever it takes to protect them. You know what I know about you? You'd do the same thing, wouldn't you? You would do the same thing. When you're under attack, you'll do what it takes. Listen, church, the Bible tells us we are under attack. And we need to let this devil know, not us, not today, not my family, not my finances, not my house, not my life. You have no place here. And so I'm going to fight back in the na- uh, with the name that is above every name the name at which every demon must flee. I will fight in the name of Jesus. And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to tolerate this and just hope for the best and wish and hope it will get better. Not today, not this Jesus follower. I know who I am in Christ, and you know who you are in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. I know that I have the power of God, the power of that raised Jesus from the dead, living and dwelling inside of me, the Holy Spirit, and so do you. And so we let this devil know not us, not now, not today. The battle is not against flesh and blood, it's a spiritual battle. And therefore, you and I don't use earthly weapons. The Bible tells us that we have spiritual weapons. You discover in Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us in this passage that we have what's called the armor of God. It tells us we have the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. We have the belt of truth. We have the shoes prepared with the gospel, the readiness of peace. And then... We have one offensive weapon. Do you know what that weapon is called? The Bible says it's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is our only offensive weapon that we wield against the forces of darkness in every single spiritual battle that we fight. It's the sword of the spirit, the word of God. Now, when we think about that, there's two different types of swords that were actually used in battle during the time that this was written. There was a really big sword that you would swing, but then there was another type of sword. It was a shorter sword. It was known as the gladius, which was used in hand-to-hand combat, and when your enemy got close, you would draw the gladius, and when I say gladius, gladius, dudes, what do you start thinking of? gladiator, right, it just comes to mind, and the movie comes to mind, and it makes me think of the greatest line ever when he was asked, what is your name? And he said, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, loyal servant of the true emperor Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Come on, man, you feel it. Ladies, you're like, what's he talking about? Just go with us here. Guys, come on. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, this word of God is, and what does the word say? This word of God is alive. Did you hear that? This sword of the spirit, this word of God is alive. It's not some dusty book on a shelf. It is alive, it says, and active, sharper than any double-edged gladius. It's how you do battle against the evil one. It's how you and I fight back. And and Matthew chapter 4 illustrates this for us perfectly. I'd encourage you to go back and read it in more depth this week. But in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, it shares the story of how Jesus does battle against the devil in the wilderness. He had been fasting, the Bible tells us, for 40 days and 40 nights. And and, and he's seeking to deny himself physical nutrition. And in other words, that means 40 days, 40 nights without eating. He is weak. How many of you get grumpy if you miss one or two meals? Right? A bunch of us. This is 40 days and 40 nights of missing meals. He's probably at his most vulnerable point in his life. And so what happens? What does the devil do? He attacks Jesus in a moment of vulnerability when he's physically weak. You need to understand, this enemy will try to attack us when we're weak. And in fact, the Bible tells us in this passage that the attack by the devil came in waves. In wave number one, the devil says, hey, Jesus, you look hungry. God loves you, right, Twist? He's a miraculous God, right, Twist? Why don't you turn these stones into biscuits and gravy, right? Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Why don't you turn them into, like last week we had here, turn them into donuts, right? And if you were here and you saw our spread last week, we had a 1,000 donuts here, and I just want to know if you ate more than one, raise your hand. No, don't do it, don't do it. Man, you had all the donuts in the world you could eat as we celebrated 15 years as a church. He says, turn these stones into bread. And what did Jesus do? He drew a sword. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then attack wave number two came, and Satan says, Jesus, how about you throw yourself off this cliff? Because remember, what does Scripture say? And here's where he takes God's word, and he just tries to manipulate and twist it, that the angels are going to take charge over you, and they'll come, and they'll rescue you. And what did Jesus do? He drew a sword. Matthew chapter 4, verse 7, he said, It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil came to him again and says, how about this, Jesus? Look over all these kingdoms of the world and I'll give them to you. All you all I want you to do is bow down and worship me. Remember, that's what Lucifer wanted in the very beginning. He wanted everybody to worship him. You can have it all. It can all be yours. Just bow down and worship me. And Jesus, in his greatest moment of just physical exhaustion and weakness, what does Jesus do in this moment? He draws his sword. The living word of God that is alive and active. And he says in verse 10, it is written, worship the Lord your God and him alone. Verse 11 said the devil then fled and the angels of God came and ministered to Jesus. Now this is very important for you to understand. Jesus did not use his divine power to fight the enemy in this moment. He did not use his divine power and bring a whole bunch of angels and do something behind in the spiritual realm. What did Jesus do? He pulled the sword, the word of God. And I hope that's something that you always keep at the forefront in your mind as we always think of ways of how to do battle and how to fight the enemy and get involved in spiritual warfare and what that looks like and what our involvement is. Let's look to Jesus. And what Jesus did is he drew the sword. The word of God was how he battled the enemy. Psalm chapter 119, verse 11, David said, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, he, David said, your word is in me. Your word dwells in me. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. I, I've put them in there. And how many of us, if, if we were just to get honest, we'd be like, man, I don't even know where my sword is. Or maybe say, well, of course, I know where it is. I'm on church, at church today and I have it with me. But how many of us, if we are super honest, we say, well, it's not really part of my life. But here's the problem. When the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, isn't a part of our life, in order for the Word of God to come out of our mouth like Jesus and be able to say it is written and to be able to use it in the spiritual battle, we've got to hide the Word of God in our heart. And in other words, when you know the Word of God, and it's hidden in your heart because you've studied it and been in it, when that happens, then God can bring it to mind at the appropriate time. Man, I want to encourage you. Get in the Word of God. Open it, read it, study it, meditate on it. Let it nourish you each and every day because it'll strengthen you when you're weak. It'll convict you when you've strayed. The Word of God is what directs us into God's will. The word of God is what comforts us when we are hurting. The word of God is what equips us to do the perfect will of God. The word of God reminds us it's not about us. It's about him and living for him and giving him glory. It's living bread, the Bible says. It's spiritual nourishment. Do you feed on God's word? man? I just, I beg you, I plead with you. Make God's word and reading God's word a part of your daily life. Every single morning, before you do anything else, open your Bible or click on the Bible app. Do a reading plan, then do another reading plan. If you aren't good at reading, just listen to the audio version. Do whatever it takes to get the word of God in your life. You can have the sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, but we need to open it. And read it because the reality is it is our greatest spiritual weapon that we can wield in the spiritual battle against the devil. So what do we do when we're in a battle? That's happening in our life. We fight back with the word of God. So maybe you're feeling down and discouraged or depressed. What do you do? You quote God's word. God's word says, why so downcast, O my soul? I put my hope in the living God. Maybe your family is under attack. What do you do? You quote the Bible. The Bible says, no weapon formed against us will prosper. The Bible says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Maybe you think, man, I don't know if I can make it another day. And you quote scripture and say, I will not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, I will reap a harvest. A harvest. If I do not give up, you quote the word, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and who dwells within me. When the diagnosis or or results are not good, you quote the word of God as it says all things are possible with God. When you're not sure what you're going to do next. Or what decision to make or what path to take, you quote the word of God. That I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and I will not lean on my own understanding, but in all my ways, I will acknowledge him and he'll make my path straight. When I feel ashamed, I quote the word of God, right? And I say there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know that when I confess my sins, that he is faithful and just and he will forgive me of my sins and he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. When my marriage is under attack, What do you do? You quote the word of God. You draw the sword and you remind yourself that the Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude and it's not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It does not delight in evil, but love rejoices in the truth. Love always hopes. Love always trusts. Love always protects. You draw the word and you quote God's word. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. The devil is a liar. And every time the devil convinces you of a lie, it's when you sin. Every time you sin against God, it's because you or I have believed in the devil's lies. So when the devil tries to lie, we do what Jesus said and say, It is written. It is written. Now, as we wrap up this morning, and we'll continue this series, a word, a, a thought for you. First of all, I hope you don't ever, I don't want anybody actually to underestimate this enemy. I don't want us to underestimate him. The devil's no cartoon character. He's a powerful, intelligent being created by God. He's a prize fighter. He's a master deceiver. But on the other hand, I don't want you to overestimate him. Even though he's powerful, he is not all-powerful. Did you hear that? Even though he's powerful and he knows, he's not all-knowing. The devil is not the opposite equal of God. The Bible tells us in 1 John 4, verse 4, greater is the one who dwells within me than he who is within the world. So what do we do, church? We're in attack. We're in a battle. We put on the armor of God against this enemy. And the Bible tells you and I first Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 to fight this good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. We let the devil know. Not me. Not today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I think about so many different passages of scripture, Once again, I know as we fight in this battle, as we worshiped you earlier, God, we're not going to rest. We are going to rest in your promises of what your word says. And our confidence, God, is not in ourselves, but it's in your faithfulness to be true to what your word says. God, I know this. Enemy wants to convince us he doesn't exist. He wants to convince us he's not really relevant. He wants to convince us that your word isn't really true. There's so many paths he takes to get us to be convinced in our mind of that which is not truth. Because he lies. And God, the greatest lie of all time that he perpetrated is that we do not need Jesus. And God, I pray for each person here who's been seeking you, exploring you, considering who you are, and God, there might be people in this room right now who need Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who've never said yes to you. And if you're sitting here this morning and you haven't crossed over into a life of faith in God, you haven't given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you right now to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you, you ask, what do I do? The Bible says, believe in the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus right now. That you'd pray something like this. It's not the exact words, but it's more you mean it in your heart. Say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to die in my place so that I could live. I know, God, that you love me so much that you gave me Jesus. That if I would believe in him, I would not perish but have eternal life. So, Jesus, as best as I understand right now, in faith, I come to you. And I give my life to you. And I want to experience eternal life. So I surrender my life to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus name. God I pray that. Some for the very first time. Have lifted that prayer to you. And we rejoice with them. Father those of us who. Know you as Lord and Savior already. God I pray that we press even deeper. Into our relationship with you. The enemy will work overtime. To to destroy us. And destroy your word in us. So God, I pray that you would just, your message stays in our heart. You bring it to our mind. And we see clearly your word of truth. So that we can stand and fight the good fight of faith. God, right now, part of that good fight of faith is giving you an offering and we come to do that now. Use this for your kingdom, for your glory, to grow your kingdom. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.